Hey everyone, this is Adam Mades of DNVR, and I want to tell you about the McChesney Unchained podcast. Every Tuesday, Matt McChesney of the 6-0 Training Academy, formerly of CU Buffs, formerly of the Denver Broncos, Miami Dolphins, New York Jets, he breaks down all of the action in the NFL, big storylines, big trends, talks about the Denver Broncos specifically, and then has a great guest on this weekend. That was Denver Broncos running back Philip Lindsay. That's right, Philip Lindsay was on the show, and the two guys had this to say. Your football team, with the amount of injuries you have, number one, and, and yeah. all the young guys that are, and then how well you're playing right now, and all the young guys that are getting reps. Yeah, that's. What I it mean, is. moving into 2021, there's going to be depth and explode. I mean, this team is super scary now. I can only imagine where you're going to be in a year from now when people are healthy and everyone's got another year of improvement. So, exactly. I, I just I love the young offensive pieces. Talk about Hamler and Judy real quick before we get you. Yeah, there. for sure. I mean, like. Like, like you said, they're explosive. You know, Judy came in doing doing some amazing stuff. You know, and Hamler, you know, had a little setback with his, his hamstring, but now you get to see the feistiness, which is going to come along, you know, as he as he gets more time in there. You know, Judy is getting more comfortable, you know, and the fact is we got to find ways to find him, you know, because I know they're getting open. You know, I know they're getting open and stuff. So we got to find ways to find them. You know, we have some talented uh, tight ends. Albert O, I think you guys are starting to see, you know, Albert was scoring touchdowns every 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 day in camp. You know what I mean? He just he was one of those that just needs, you know, he needed some time to 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 fundamentally continue to grow. And you guys are seeing somebody that it can be really, really special in his NFL if he continues to take the steps and he keeps learning. You already guys know about Noah and Noah has made a big jump. You know, yeah. and I know he can continue to get healthy and stuff, he's gonna be back to himself. Uh, that's all that that's all that has to be done is everybody needs to try to stay as healthy you can and we just need to utilize every everything we have if we do that we'll be a special team hear the full conversation between matt mcchesney and philip Lindsay right now over on dnvr or wherever you get your podcast look for mcchesney unchained part of the dnvr podcast network Mike and Virginia Chevalier are not only diehard Broncos fans, but they've supported DNVR for a long time as DNVR members. They're a husband and wife team with over 15 years of financial services experience, and you can visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and get entered to win a free DNVR shirt or have your choice when you do. And most importantly, get set up for a free consultation to discuss all of your options. Since your home is likely to be one of your largest assets and your mortgage your largest debt, they believe it's important to consider your full financial picture when purchasing a home. That includes considering your long-term and short-term planning goals, your investments, and your tax situation. Mike and Virginia will work tirelessly to find the best loan for your situation. Visit them at dnvrmortgage.com and enter to win a free DNVR shirt or hat when you do. And most importantly, get set up with that free consultation. That's Michael Chevalier, NMLS number 1931006, and Virginia Chevalier, NMLS number 1910631. Let's jump into the show. Welcome in to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by MSU Denver Online. Appreciate you guys hanging out with us this morning as there's clearly nothing else interesting to follow. So I'm glad that we can be that uh, escape for you guys on a completely slow news day. Um, of course, the DNVR Broncos podcast is presented by MSU Denver Online. Head over to MSU Denver edu slash online to scope out all they have to offer 750 total classes if there's anything that you're thinking hey i really want to further my education on this subject and learn more about this that the other thing get a degree in a certain field so you can further your education but you still have to work you don't have time to go to school uh, in normal hours well msu denver.edu slash online is the perfect solution for you and uh, rigorous and affordable programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. So check out msudenver.edu slash online. 
Oh, muted. Muted. <laughs> oh, no. It's one of those nights or mornings, I guess. I was going to say, my boys, what's up? We're all running on just a couple hours of sleep, but I'm happy to be joining you guys today. Okay, yeah. Uh, what time did you get to sleep, Zach? Let's just, just do a quick run around. I, I, w- I was the earliest of everyone, but uh, I, I went to bed at 1, which is very late for me. Uh, 2.55 uh, here. In terms of like your your normal bedtime, you might have been up the latest. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. exactly. <laughs> All a matter of perspective because I fell asleep, I think, around 2.30. Um, but that's only like an hour after when I normally fall asleep. So it wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't that, uh, that dramatic. Mine was like four hours after, you know? Yeah, see? <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, some person might donate a million dollars, some person might donate 10, but if the person who donated 10 only has $20 to their name, <laughs> that's, you know, that's a bigger donation. Exactly. Uh, anyways, um, Raheem Morris spoke with Denver Media this morning and had a lot of interesting things to say. Um, I thought it was interesting him talking about the lack of home field advantage. Um, but most importantly, he, as someone who simply just watched the film, noticed something that it seems as if the Broncos coaches have not noticed. And it's not just Raheem Morris who's noticed this. It's, well, just about any person who has watched a Broncos game, not just this year, but last year or the year before that as well. And that is... In the words of Raheem Morris, that Philip Lindsay is the heartbeat of the football team. And I think I said that about a hundred times last week. So I'm very glad that Raheem Morris agrees with me on that. But guys, I couldn't help myself but to go back and read mentions on a tweet that I sent out uh, June 10th of uh, 2020, in which I said, Hello, my friends. I'm just logging on to tell you that Philip Lindsay is better, better than Melvin Gordon. Have a nice day. See you guys later. Uh, and the mentions were interesting. We had some of our very own good people who listened to this show telling me I was wrong, but I'm not going to name names. Anyways, <laughs> one of the responses reminded me of something that Zach said, and I can't remember who said it in the, tw- in the responses, but Zach repeatedly in the offseason kept saying, Ryan, I think you're right. But I'm just worried that the, the coaching staff isn't going to view it that way. And we, we're going to be banging our heads against the wall all season as Philip Lindsay doesn't touch the ball enough. And so I think we both ended up being right here, Zach. Yeah, our, our heads are bleeding from all the banging that we've been doing against those brick walls, guys. Because, yeah, it, it's exactly right. Uh, you know, Philip Lindsay had a fantastic opportunity to be the starter this past week, just put him out there at, at, for the first couple of snaps. Broncos didn't do it. And instead they put Melvin Gordon out there playing against his old team. I get it. But also Melvin Gordon coming off uh, a, a rough couple of weeks when you have Phil back, you can bring some momentum to start the game. You're getting the ball to start the game. And then also not just that, but then at the end of the game, you have Melvin Gordon on the field on that last drive for the first part of it. And now credit to Melvin. He did step up, but I was still surprised to see that. The guy that jump starts your team in the middle of the game, the guy that brings it the only boost for a long period of time in the game. He's on the bench when you when you need offense the most. Yeah, that that last possession is interesting in particular because you need explosiveness. But if you're Pat Shermer, you may be thinking in terms of okay. I need pass pro as well. Sometimes I've got to keep that guy in the backfield. And even though I know I don't agree with it because I I want to have receiving targets out there and I feel like he can get the pass pro uh, from a different package. I think that was what governed the decision on the last drive to emphasize Melvin more than Phil was the idea of needing someone extra in pass protection, even though it was clear by that point, the chargers were basically a four man rush drop 17. So I get so. I think that's why you saw Melvin Gordon late. I'm, but I think also with what the Chargers were doing, I'm not sure that was the the right call there. Even though the Broncos did score, they they walked off. Everybody was happy and all that. But it might have been a more uh, electric and maybe a, a smoother drive if Phil had been out there to provide a little bit of explosiveness. 
Yeah, uh, real quick, I want to thank uh, all of you who are joining us here this morning and listening in. And if you're watching on YouTube, we would love if you hit us with a thumbs up on this video. Uh, of course, hit us with a subscribe to the page, maybe even sign up for the alerts anytime we go live uh, with a little bell next to that. I, I want to talk about why this is happening. And I think, Mace, you were on to something there talking about pass protection. It certainly plays a role, but I also think we 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 can't just act like Philip Lindsay can't pass protect in the same way that a lot of the offseason people wanted to act like Philip Lindsay couldn't catch. It's it, it, Philip Lindsay can pass protect. He's not as good as Melvin Gordon at pass protecting, and the and the same probably goes for catching passes. At least what we what we know of these two at their at this stage of their career. Uh, Philip Lindsay can catch passes, of course. Melvin Gordon's probably a little better. At least he has proven to this point in his career that he is better at that. But what is going on here that is causing so many people to watch from home and say, how is he not getting the ball more? I mean, the other day, I think, I think this is, you know, I'm trying to give the coaches a little bit of the benefit of the doubt here. I think it was Phil coming off a concussion, not having a full week of practice and them just being kind of cautious with him. That's the best I can do for them. Um, But you know, why did Zach already know this was going to happen all the way back in the offseason? And why is it so hard for management of the Denver Broncos to realize that Philip Lindsay can be and is their number one running back? Money, 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 money. Money. Follow the money. And it's so clear. And, guys, it, the past uh, two weeks, I, I want to say, I've got so many questions about, are the Broncos going to pay Philip Lindsay? Is he going to stay on this team? And the honest to goodness answer is, I don't know. And every single person comes to me and says, why, why would they not? He, he's, you know, their heartbeat of the team. He's their best player. He's what sparks the offense. And it's, it's just, it for, typically, this would make it seem like there's something going on behind the scenes, right, guys? When there's these questions, like uh, when – Players do great in training camp and preseason, and then they never see the field. Well, it's because there's something going on behind the scenes, right? And, and we know that, uh, but fans aren't able to see that. With Philip Lindsay, I don't think there's – I haven't heard anything going on behind the scenes ever, so that just doesn't make sense. Yeah, and um, I mean, I haven't heard anything of anything behind the scenes, but the other thing – uh, that you, when you start looking at Philip Lindsay long term and whether the Broncos are going to give him a contract, uh, you have to say, okay, do they want to give him a contract? And if you're Philip Lindsay, what are you thinking of all of this right now? Are are you looking at the way the Broncos are using you? How they how they they gave Melvin Gordon that contract? And certainly, the timing works out to where you can get Melvin Gordon off your books and and keep Philip Lindsay on your books. But you're looking at this maybe and saying. Are they into me? And the thing with Phil, you know, he has the chip on his shoulder, which is one of his best attributes. One of the chips that's on his shoulder, guys, is the fact that he wasn't drafted, that the Bron- that everybody, including the Broncos, passed on him to begin with. I mean, if you're Phil, maybe you're thinking, hey, you know, this is still the same team that decided they'd rather draft Dave Williams than me. The accountant. Yeah. The accountant, um, or uh, uh, Wendy's double stack. Um, <laughs> so I think there's a lot at play here. But when you say follow the money, Zach, it has to start with the idea that the Broncos wanted to go out and sign Melvin Gordon in the first place, which at the time I was in support of. And from a Simply team-building perspective, I understand the idea of wanting both of them. But what I think it comes down to is something that our friend Bronco Duck here just said in the comments. Uh, And he said, do you think it's a general injury concern slash fragility due to size? I really do think that's it. Um, And I don't necessarily think it's a knock from the Broncos on Philip Lindsay as much as, you know, a lot of Philip Lindsay's detractors want to make it a knock. I don't think the Broncos necessarily think that Phil is injury prone because he had a wrist injury and a turf toe and a concussion, which held him out for just one half of one game. But I do think that it's, you know, we know that um, NFL minds and NFL people are stubborn in their beliefs. And I just think that when an NFL coach 
or general manager looked at Philip Lindsay, they say small running back, not going to hold up uh, uh, over the course of a season. You give them a running back one load. And so I don't, I'm not, this is actually the nicest thing I can say about this for the Broncos uh, in the decision-making that's going on here. It's just that I think they're trying to protect Phil rather than, you know, it being them putting a knock on Phil and saying, we just, we don't think he can hold up. They're saying he's so important to us. We can't risk giving him so many carries that he ends up getting hurt. So I have to ask, are the Broncos right? Because we saw Phil miss, what, one and a half games his rookie season due to injury. Then this year, just in week one, he he misses the first half and misses a couple more games. Then he gets a concussion, and this all happens the same year that they signed Melvin Gordon. So were the Broncos right about the injury concerns? Um, I, I kind of feel like they're a little lucky in this situation that it's looking that way. Just because turf toe and a concussion are just... <laughs> They're just flukes, fluky injuries. You know, it's not something that you can predict predict based on workload for Philip Lindsay, uh, and and there isn't any evidence to back up the fact that oh, he always has some little nagging injury, especially when you go back to his college days when he was just an absolute workhorse for the Buffs and never struggled with injury throughout his career there. So, I. I yes, they've been vindicated this year because you know you would have been down to Royce Freeman and. Levante Bellamy for four games or whatever it was, three games uh, without Phil. But I think with hindsight being 2020, they would have gotten someone better than Royce, not as expensive as Melvin Gordon, because Melvin Gordon certainly hasn't lived up to his price tag. Uh, and he just, I mean, it looks like he's running in slow motion out there after Philip Lindsay comes off the field. He's not nearly as dynamic. He's nearly as explosive. He's not really a power back at heart who loves to run between the tackle. So he's not that great of a contrast to what you have in Philip Lindsay. So I think it can be a little bit of both. Yes, they were right to want to bring in another running back. No, they were probably weren't right to make Melvin Gordon so much more of a high paid player than Philip Lindsay. Uh, and potentially, we, I don't know anything about this, but potentially sever some of the relationship with Philip Lindsay moving forward because it's very clear that he's the best running back they have. He's the best running back they've had in a long time uh, in Denver. So I don't know. Uh, what I hope is that they're slowly but surely learning if we want to win football games, we need to give the ball to Philip Lindsay more. And I hope that he ends up churning out his third consecutive 1,000-yard season, even with the injuries. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, going back to just the expenditure on Melvin Gordon, I mean, $8 million plus for Melvin Gordon, it would have been better spent elsewhere. And you could, you know, maybe you could have gotten someone to kind of spell Philip Lindsay. You could have gotten a Devontae Freeman, I believe, for like a million, a million three five. Yeah, and okay. spent that Much elsewhere. Better. Yeah, th- there were there were better ways to spend that money. And, you know, the interesting thing is, if you take that to its potentially logical conclusion and say, well, we're just not going to pay any running backs. That means you're probably not paying Phil Lindsay. Although again, he does bring something uh, more, more emotional, like Raheem Morris said, the heartbeat of the team. Now I want to ask you guys this. How many games do you think Saquon Barkley has missed in his career? Oh God. So he was the, uh, this is his third year, correct? Third year. Same class as Phil. So he was uh, mostly four, healthy as a rookie. Mm-hmm. I want to say he so played about, 14 games as a rookie. Is that right? Well, I want you to <laughs> okay. work that out, and then I'll, I, I, and then you guess the, the game and number of games, and I'll tell you the answer. I'm going to say he's played 25. Okay. I'm going to say he's played 24. Okay. He's played 31 games. Oh, okay. Uh-huh. But he only missed three games last year. Of course, he's on the shelf right now. But that means, guys, he's missed nine games. Yep. Philip Lindsay has missed five games yep. in his career. Or, pardon me, four games. Because he missed three games this year and then one game back in uh, in 2018, pardon me. So Saquon Barkley's missed nine games. Philip Lindsay missed four. Why are we calling Philip Lindsay injury prone and you don't hear the same thing about Saquon Barkley, even though he's on the shelf right now with an ACL? Yeah, I think well, you probably and- have to. 
People are, I think, starting to say that about Saquon Barkley, but what they're not saying is the Giants can't move forward with Saquon Barkley as their workhorse because the, the Giants as a franchise really can't go anywhere unless Saquon Barkley is their workhorse and he stays healthy. Um, and that's the conundrum that they're in. But you're right. The thing is, running backs get hurt. You know, they take more hits than anyone else on the field. And it's just a law of averages that they're going to eventually get hurt. The The numbers are honestly telling us that Philip Lindsay isn't very injury prone, or at least he's just mm-hmm. middle of the road when it comes to running backs getting dinged up. I mean, just right, look at exactly. look at Christian McCaffrey the, this year get getting banged up. I mean, has has Zeke not really missed much time? I don't think he's missed much time throughout his career, but all major running backs seem to miss a, a decent amount of time. Yeah, I mean, you, you of course have the freaks like Derrick Henry and and Zeke, who you know Derek generally st- mm-hmm. stay very healthy. But um, I don't well, think like I think Zeke, Broncos. Zeke's missed- Zeke's missed eight games in his career, guys. Okay, okay. And that's okay, the thing. There we go. It, 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 this, it happens to running backs. I mean, Christian McCaffrey getting through the first two years of his career, not missing a game, and finally missing games in here in year three. I mean, that's that's the exception. That's the that's the but rare Christian, circumstance. And now Christian McCaffrey has missed as many games in his career as Phil Lindsay has. And now, uh, yeah. so I, I guess you just, if you really want to avoid an injury-prone back, get a 6'3", 250 running back, yeah. and then then you should be pretty good. I think the Broncos are being, you know, proactive. At least they think they're being proactive in their approach to keeping Philip Lindsay healthy. I just think that every time they do that, they're lowering their ceiling. And so mm-hmm. as, a, as a team, this year and moving forward, they have to make the decision – are we willing to take the risk of Phil getting hurt to give ourselves the highest ceiling? Because if you give Phil the ball at a number one running back rate and he stays healthy the, the whole season, that is your highest ceiling as a team. Uh, and, and it's so abundantly obvious how much better he is than Melvin Gordon or anyone else that the Broncos have trotted out there since Philip Lindsay joined the team. And well, I was, go ahead. You can go, Mace. Well, he, Phil t- had 23 carries against the Patriots. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he should get that every game. I mean, that's probably on the high side. But shouldn't a goal for Phil every game be 15 to 19 touches per game? Yes, without a doubt. There and he go. had he had six carries and one catch this past game. That That is seven. So we're saying he should at least have double, if not triple, that number. And guys, here's some good news. No one wants a player to be suspended on the Broncos, but it looks like Melvin Gordon will be suspended for three games. So the Broncos will be forced to do this. Now, maybe they use Royce Freeman a ton uh, in, in the Melvin Gordon role, and then we don't get to see it. But I think that would tell us what we need to know moving forward, because I think that would be a decision made not just by Pat Shermer and Vic Fangio, but John Elway as well. And then I think we'll know, okay, they really don't value Philip Lindsay and really don't think he can, he can be the one. So really don't expect him to be paid as a true number one running back here. But if they go out and use him like they did against the Patriots, 23 carries, 101 yards, he didn't have uh, you know, a 55-yard run. That was a workhorse type uh, of, of carries there for him. Then I think that they'll be putting him through the test to see, okay, after this year, uh, is this a guy that we can count on to be that guy? Because in that stretch, he should be getting 60 carries in those three games if Melvin Gordon is, in fact, suspended this year. And I, at least I hope that's what we see, right, guys? It can kind of be a trial period for the team. Here's the conundrum for the Broncos, and surprise, surprise, we're here again. <laughs> uh, don't let the injuries fool you. Philip Lindsay's playing the best football of his career right now. His vision has gotten better. His explosion, his explosion is still the same, and he is running the ball extremely well. So here we are once again. Philip Lindsay's price tag is only going up, and the more if this team wants to, you know, reach their goals, they're going to have to give him the ball more. And his price is only going to go up the more they do that. And so the Broncos have put themselves in a bad situation here, where they probably. Could have taken some of the money that they used to sign Melvin Gordon, used that to extend Philip Lindsay, and then brought still brought in Devontae Freeman to be his backup. Well, now you're not in that situation. Now you've got eight million dollars on the books next year again, I believe, for Melvin Gordon, and you 
every time you hand the ball to Philip Lindsay because he's he's playing so well, his value just goes up. So the Broncos have put themselves in another awkward position here by not being proactive with their signings of players. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. And uh, and I mean, let's say you're talking about that eight million and Melvin Gordon being suspended could get some of that off the books, but you're still talking about a scenario where that money would be better spent on, well, you know, a backup quarterback who can actually keep things upright if Drew Locke goes down or if Drew Locke doesn't take the next step and there are questions about uh, him going forward, at least a, he- a Ryan Tannehill-like edge like the Titans had uh, when Marcus Mariota was going into the 2019 season. These are things that you could do with that $8 million that would be – Did we lose Mace there? I think we did lose Mace. I thought he was just thinking there for a second. <laughs> but uh, he froze on us. Yeah, I mean, exactly. Those, I, are the, uh, those, those are the decisions that I have to make. Well, the funny thing is we see some comments coming in about uh, Philip Lindsay's pass protection, and we did address that earlier as far as why Melvin Gordon was in the game on that last series. That was probably what Pat Shermer was thinking. They wanted the better pass pro back. But let's just kind of go away from the end of the game and say, all right, if Phil Lindsay is your back, how do you get that pass pro? You simply use different alignments. I mean, you you go with two tight ends and say, all right, well, if if they're going to bring the rush, one of the tight ends has got to stay home. Uh, there's some promise from Jeremy Cox as a fullback. You do some more eye formation type of stuff, and ha- and hey, that means if you're running, you got an extra blocker kind of plowing the way for Phil. And if you're going for the pass, you send Phil Lindsay out in a route, and Jeremy Cox is the guy who's staying home in pass pro. There are ways to get this done and still have Phil out there for key situations. Yeah, what's crazy is you know we've talked so much about how Drew Locke has been better under center, and he looks better in Scangarello esque concepts. Mm-hmm. Uh, the same goes for Philip Lindsay last year. Remember how much better Phil was last year when he had Jano in front of him? Yep. You know, those oh. were his that was his most productive times is when he had Jano out there. Maybe oh, that yeah. maybe Phil should have been saying, Love Jano. He does. He yeah. does. All you, love need to do, all you need to do is trade a conditional seventh round pick to get him right back, right, guys? <laughs> so I don't it, think Kevin Stefanski's letting him go. I think they like Jano and Cleveland way too much right now. <laughs> um yeah. the the point is though that you know the Broncos need to look in the mirror and ask themselves what they want to be. Uh, if they, you know, want to be a, a playoff team, it involves getting under center more, handing the ball up to Philip Lindsay more, running play action more, all of that stuff. And one thing that I think we've learned that we weren't sure of when Philip Lindsay was a rookie. When Phil was a rookie, he got a lot of his feasting off of misdirection runs. And I think there was an idea back then that, well, you can't just only run misdirection. You, you actually can. You can run traps and counters and, and all of these different, you know, base plays. You can run them as much as you want. Uh, the more, Every time they do it with Phil Lindsay, it's working. Uh, so I, I think there was like this old school idea, like, well, you, do, you still have to pound the rock sometimes. And, you know, you, just, you can't expect the counters and traps to just work all the – you can. Um, so they, they need to run more of that, more – you know, misdirection off of your misdirection with play action. It's just you, there's so many different things you can do here. But I think, you know, Philip Lindsay is breaking a lot of molds. You, you can run those plays as much as you want. Uh, and, and I think Sean McVay is a big guy and just keep running it if it works. And, and that's how I feel about this, too. If, you know, those counters are working. Just keep running them. Um, you you can feed the rock to Philip Lindsay, as he's shown. And uh, and you don't need to necessarily worry about him. And you know what? The Broncos can tell themselves when they're having meetings this week, hey, we have Melvin Gordon. Now he's just a really good safety plan in case Phil does get hurt and we can give Phil the rock more. Yeah, and he, he's a really good number two running back. And that's just something that they have to look past the money there for. And we'll see when that happens, if that happens, because opposing teams – are noticing that and know that Phil is the heart and soul of this team. So you got to have your heart and soul out there. So guys, my final question to you about this is what's Phil's price tag, but what does he sign for with the Broncos? If he does, whether it's this year, whether it's next year, if it happens, what's, what's the money that he's looking for? We'll start with next year because you're looking at the 
RFA tender. So that's probably going to be right around $3 million, uh, a little bit above that, if he, if the Broncos put a second-round tender on him. And if they don't want him to walk in free agency, they're going to have to give him that second-round tender. So that probably buys them some time. Now, there's what Philip Lindsay's going to want and what he may end up getting. I think uh, if you're Phil, you probably want – a multi-year deal worth about what six million dollars a year, roughly the Austin Eckler kind of contract. More, yeah. yeah. I think I think the number he has in mind is eight, because he said, "I know you're willing to pay number one running backs eight million dollars." I just saw it in front of me, and you know what? I'm better than that number one running back, and I think Phil is just very disrespected, and he feels that from the Broncos, and he's done given hometown discount. So I think that's the number he goes for. Now, Mace, you make a good point about the RFA. I think if you want to get a long-term deal done after this year, the RFA helps lower that $8 million. But I think that's the only reason why you get a hometown discount is because of that, not because of him actually wanting to stay in Denver and be nice to the Broncos. And that's yeah. why there, there might be value there because you could say hey, this is a contract that still gives you potentially $24 million. You know, this will this will give you maybe like $22 million over three years. So maybe not maybe not $8 million. Maybe it's a more in the $7 million range. But we're taking this last year and we're tearing up $3.2 million and we're saying, okay, you're going to make you're going to make say six million of that and then you get a little more on on the back end and uh then it's a question of what the guarantee is is the is the guarantee say as much as 14 or 15 million so what i think they should do is somewhere in between what you guys are talking about um and i think they might be able to get a lower price tag on the per year salary by giving phil some long-term security because let's be honest Philip Lindsay wants to be in Denver. You know, he, he's a Denver kid. He's starting a family in Denver. His his family lives in Denver. He wants to be here. And so I think it would be smart on the Bron- The Broncos should want Philip Lindsay to be a Bronco for life. Um, if they're sm- you know if they if they're smart, they should want Philip Lindsay to be a Bronco for life. So sign him up for a five year deal and take some money off off of the per year salary. And of course we know that these five-year deals don't always work out that way, but I think the only way you're going to get a discount, because I, if I'm Phil, I'm saying exactly what Zach is saying. Like what you just paid that guy $8 million. And I proved time and time and time and time again, that I'm better than him. So you have to pay me more than him. Uh, and he has every right to say that. Um, but I think if they say, look, man, we want you to be a Bronco for life. We're going to sign you up for five years, which is unheard of for a running back of your age. Then they can get a little bit of a discount on the per year. And and the Broncos should want Philip Lindsay in their locker room for as long as they possibly can. Yeah, even if in years four and five of that contract, if he were to see that out, if he truly is the number two and no one's saying how disrespectful it is, because he, he'd be a great guy for someone to learn from. And he'd also be a great guy to be a a second punch punch. Are you kidding me? Yeah. So I, I, uh, I hope that's what happens. I hope Philip Lindsay is a Bronco for life, but the Broncos have already mismanaged the situation uh, as they have with many other young players who sprout. They just wait and wait and wait. And sometimes they end up pricing themselves out. Um, I don't think that'll happen just based on the market out there for running backs right now. I think the Broncos, if they want to keep Phil, will have the opportunity to do so. We should also mention that they might be able to get out of this Melvin Gordon contract for next season because of his suspension. Um, and so that's something that you know could play a role in this as well. Uh, great conversation. I, I, I really enjoyed that. So thank you guys. Thanks to everyone who is tuning in on the YouTube side of things. Love if you hit us with a thumbs up on the video. We always appreciate those. Uh, we are going to continue this on the podcast side where we're going to get to everyone's questions. But again, really appreciative of everyone who tuned in with us today. I know there's a lot going on. So hopefully we could be a distraction for those who needed it and just entertainment for those who wanted that. Uh, but for this side of things on the live, we're going to talk to you guys later. As we move along here, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery, the official beers of DNVR. They're damn good beers no matter where you get them, how you have them, which ones you get, mixer pack, six pack, 12 pack, 15 pack. It doesn't really matter because they're all elite top to bottom at Breck Brew. So check them out. 
wherever you get your alcohol, wherever you get your wine and spirits. Uh, and if you can't find it there, make sure you use the Breck Brew locator to see where you might be able to find some. But you can always, of course, come down to the DNVR bar and get a nice 22-ounce frosted glass full of any of our eight Breckenridge brews that we keep on tap. So check them out. Breckenridge Brewery, they're damn good beers. Speaking of elite, we have the elite coverage of Colorado rugby at thednvr.com, on, DN, on Twitter at DNVR Rugby, and anywhere you find podcasts on DNVR Rugby. And of course, it's not just Colorado rugby, it is American rugby because Infinity Park is now the new official training center for men's and women's USA Eagles 15 teams. That makes Colorado the place for rugby in the United States, and no one has better coverage than the DNVR.com. Our reporter, Colton Strickland, does a great job breaking down the game and also giving you the most up-to-date news that you need to know about rugby. So make sure to check him out on Twitter at DNVR Rugby, anywhere you find podcasts at DNVR Rugby, and, of course, at the DNVR.com. All right. Uh, of course, we got to get to our Draft Kings pick of the week. We do it every week. It's Mace's favorite segment. And so we shall start with you, Mace. What do you have? Oh, I was hoping you'd start with Zach. I'm literally queuing up DraftKings right now. So. <laughs> All right, fine, Zach. I, I, think of it this way. Well, if I'm at dinner, I like to order, la- I like to order last at the table. So I like fair. to pick last. <laughs> fair. Totally fair. Well, yeah. me, uh, that, that's how I approach dinner as well. But that is not how I approach my DraftKings pick of the week. I got a lock for you guys. I loved the Thursday night game. I loved it. But we don't know if that's going to happen. So I have to make a last-minute audible at the dining room table right now before giving my order. Uh, Green Bay was only favored by three and a half over the Giants, who pretty much have no starter playing and as much as it pains me to say, but Green Bay definitely would have got that. So going somewhere else, and instead of sticking with my Alabama football team, I'd be doing that again since I'm 3-0 and in the past three weeks on my pick of the week with them. They don't play this week, so I can't do that. So I'm going out to the largest spread of the week, guys. The Pittsburgh Steelers. Oh, no, you're stealing mine. To Dallas and give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're favored by 13 and a half points. Dallas is so bad. Who even knows what quarterback they're going with and what his name is and if he's even played football in his life before. So give me the Pittsburgh Steelers. 13 and a half is easy. All right. We're doubling down on that. Um, and my advice is to get it now because I don't really want to give up over two touchdowns. I love that I don't have to right now, which is why it's a lock. Uh, you're talking about the best, arguably the best defense in the league uh, for the Steelers going up against a fourth string quarterback at best, uh, might even be fifth string. Um, and they bring the heat on those young quarterbacks. Whoever is back there, just say a prayer for them. Um, I already feel bad for them. And then you've got that explosive offense going up against one of the worst defenses in football. I venture to guess this could be as much as a four-score blowout. Ooh, yes, I like that as well. I mean, the Cowboys are so bad, so I love it. I love it. Doubling down, I think, is smart here. Mace, are you tripling down? No, I, well, I'm, I'm going to the college ranks here, and I'm surprised at this, but not really because we have some certainty here. You've got a line on Clemson-Notre Dame. Trevor Lawrence, of course, not playing for Clemson Saturday night. Notre Dame is minus is – minus, is, or Clemson's minus six, pardon me, against Notre Dame, according to DraftKings. I, I was actually shocked to see that. I'd take Notre Dame if they were minus six against Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. Oh. Give me the fighting Irish in this one. Clemson basically put without Trevor Lawrence got off to a really bad start against Boston college, two lousy quarters before they put it together. And you play like, if they play like that against Notre Dame, the fighting Irish are going to give the Tigers their first loss of the year. So I'm taking Notre Dame plus six. What's the uh, money line there? Uh, money line is plus 180 Notre Dame minus 295 Clemson. Okay. Um, I don't know. I'm just. Notre Dame is such underachievers all the time. I just don't feel like they, <laughs> they have what it takes to win it. But every year is different. So I'm not going to say I don't like your pick, but I don't know if I would pick it. It's a referendum more on Clemson than Notre Dame. It, it, yeah. if, if they play only 30 minutes of good football like they did against Boston College last week, 
that's not going to get it done in this game. They, Definitely they, I don't know if they, I don't know if Clemson without Trevor Lawrence has enough to win this game. And again, when you see plus six there, that I mean, Clemson could still get it done, eke it out, and you're still cashing in. For sure. From Ray City Bronco, we're going to get into the questions. Hey guys, do you think we should be worried about McTelvin Ajim and his lack of playing time uh, last year? Draymond Jones played in 117 defensive snaps after seven games, but McTelvin only has 25 this season. Ajim seemed like a force in training camp. But it's been a healthy scratch for most of the year despite injuries to the defensive line. Instead of using the rookie third-down pick, the team has turned to signing guys off the street. What's going on? Yeah, you know, I said earlier in this pod when talking about Philip Lindsay, typically when there's things like this happen, it's because there's behind-the-scenes stuff going on. Well, I said with Philip Lindsay, I don't think that's the case. With McTelvin, I think that's the case. And when I say behind-the-scenes stuff, it doesn't necessarily mean bad things. It just means he's taken a, long, a while longer to get comfortable in the NFL and, and to learn the playbook and to get in there and be comfortable with the defense. And, and that's clearly what's going on here. Uh, because, yeah, his season has been disappointing. I mean, he's had every opportunity to get a chance to play, and the Broncos have instead brought in uh, guys signed him to the practice squad, then brought practice squad guys up to the game day roster, and then had those guys play ahead of him. So, uh, yeah, it certainly has been a disappointing start. Well, the last time there was any comment from one of the coaches about McTelvin Ajim on the record, uh, it was back on September 29th, and Ed Donatello said that McTelvin on the practice field gets better weekly. Yeah, and that was Donatello, Mace? That was Ed Donatello who said that. Yeah. And <laughs> – Look, McTelvin Ajim, remember, he when they drafted him, it was going to be a little bit more of a long-term play anyway. He was more of a developmental guy who flashed down at the Shrine game in January and those practices, but was raw and uh, didn't necessarily have the, the production on a consistent level at Arkansas. But they saw something there toward the, the end of his time at Arkansas, saw something in the Shrine practices and in the game, and felt like they, could, they, they needed to take him. But he was more of a developmental guy anyway, so I'm not sounding the alarm bells just yet. Draymond Jones, a lot better at the college level than McTelvin Ajim. They're both third-round picks, but they're not equal third-round picks in terms of where they were in their development. Ajim's development is, uh, looks to be a little bit more like that of Malik Jackson. So let's see where Ajim is a year from now. And That's totally, totally fair. fair. I, I, I... I'm just saying it's a, it's a disappointing start right now, but I'm not saying that uh, it's not part of the plan because you're right, Mason. It's something you can't ignore is he is a developmental guy and always has been. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. From Burkano Bronco. Howdy fellas. I've got two things to comment today. One, I noticed that the last touchdown pass drew was going through his progressions really well. He looked off to the left, then to the center, then noticed that nothing was open, went to his third option, which obviously was Hamler and made a quick throw once he was open. It's exactly what he said he needed to work on, and it was definitely an encouraging sight to see from Drew, especially in the pressure he was under. Real quick, I want to talk about that play because, my God, I watched it several times yesterday and just learned to appreciate the nuances of the play. I think in the moment, it, it kind of just felt like Drew getting out on the edge and making a play. Um, upon further review, there's a lot more of very good quarterbacking in that play by Drew Locke. The reason that K.J. Hamler comes open is 100% because Drew takes his defender off of him with his eyes. And I don't even know if, like, Burkenio Bronco says, he's going through his progressions here. As much as he was manipulating the defender with his eyes, which I like even more, he's rolling right. He looks back left where Deshaun Hamilton and Jerry Judy are coming across the field, which freezes the defender in his place because he doesn't know if he wants to go with Hamler or go back the other way to try to take away the passing lane. Hamler sneaks away. Drew flips it. Just a beautiful play from Drew Locke. Yeah, and the thing is, if you're talking about Drew kind of looking off defenders and even going to progression, getting him outside and rolling him out is something that can kind of be a step to helping him see the field better long over the long term because you get him outside, you are narrowing the focus to that side of the field, but you're allowed, but you're kind of giving him something like something that maybe he can, uh, they can chew. You're not giving him more than he can chew at that point. And maybe doing more of that and letting him uh, use his eyes and letting him start to go through his progressions is something that can kind of be a step toward him a year from now, perhaps being able to just drop back 
in the pocket and always go through his progressions. You know, take take it step by step by step in terms of of giving him that full field ver- vision that he's going to need to have to succeed in the league. And also a thing with it is get him on the move. Have it so he can read the whole field, which is really only half the field when he's still developing because he's not reading the whole field. You know, when he rolls to the right, he's not reading the back left corner uh, of the end zone, but instead have every single option just be in one half of the field. It really helps him and that can help develop him to then seeing two thirds of the field to then seeing him seeing the whole field and going through his reads there. I like that, but I also do want to see the Broncos do a bit more of spreading it out and just letting him deal. Um, because you saw him succeed in that way when they were running hurry up as well. It's a little bit of both. Um, just, but I like the idea of just making things easier on him. I do like the idea of getting him out of the pocket more. He goes on and says, too, I'd rather, I had a rather odd dream last night that we did a straight-up trade with the Chargers where we went Shelby Harris, uh, sent Shelby Harris to them to get Chris Harris Jr. back. Knowing after I woke up that this was just my subconscious going wild, I'm relieved to see it didn't happen. But I was curious if in a very hypothetical sense this did happen, what would you think the implications of the trade would be on each uh, each team? Who would win this trade? Assume that CHJ isn't injured to keep it more interesting. Thanks for all you guys do. Go Broncos and go DNVR. Well, the Broncos, this would not help the Broncos. This would not help the Broncos. The Broncos need Shelby Harris more than they need Chris Harris Jr. right now. They, they, even though AJ Boy is in concussion protocol, they still need Shelby Harris. Yeah, imagine that defensive line without Shelby Harris right now, and you've got three backups up there. Yeah, absolutely. Relative to where you started with. So uh, right now, no. And then down the line, I think, is a more interesting discussion, like as far as if we were talking about for 2021, 2022, uh, because with Chris, you know, where does he go long term? Does he eventually make a transition over to safety, a position he played at Kansas to try to extend his career? And, uh, and then what is Shel- happens to Shelby Harris as he gets on the other side of 30? Where does he go? It's, yeah, it's, de- it's a trade that would be bad right now if we're discussing two years from now. It's interesting. It's murky. I think it's important to read this comment uh, response to that question because it comes in from a very important commenter who goes by the name of the highest paid RAV4 full of six-toed cats and cost-controlled miners covered in yeasty spread salmon and PB&Js driving down a straw with pleasure horse strumming a good one on a Pop-Tart in the parlance of old, of obscure reporters named Joe. He says a declining CHJ for Shelby Harris in his prime. Chargers win, and it's not even close. <laughs> you know what I appreciate appreciate about comments from the highest paid rap four full of six toed cats and cost controlled miners covered in UC spread salmon and PBNJs driving down a straw with pleasure horse strumming a good one on a pop tart in the parlance of obscure reporter named Joe is, you know, the name's a bit ridiculous, <laughs> but the comments the past two days have been short. So, uh, so I appreciate that. <laughs> I agree. I agree. From the big T just something interest, just found something interesting out. Snapper Music holds the rights to the song, and Universal and BMG own the publishing rights of the song in the U.S. So if the Broncos decided to say, play Rock and Roll Part 2 again, Gary Glitter would get no royalties whatsoever. Bring it back. Bring it back. Bring it back. <laughs> well, but then, you, but then you have the PR thing of hearing his voice echo throughout the stadium and realizing this guy's a freaking pedophile. Okay, so just have like, no. just have um, uh, the fray cover the song. <laughs> let, it, let it go. We gotta let this one go. Nathaniel Rateliff covers ah, the song. Ah, yes, there we go. I can get behind that. <laughs> but what are are they paying? So the thing is, if the you know, if Snapper Music holds rights to that version of the song, what happens though? Does Nathaniel Rateliff have to pay royalties to Gary Glitter? Or are they paying it to? snapper music no, they, here i mean what's going on the, they pay it to the owners of the rights mm. i'm not no, letting no, it no. go <laughs> i think we got I, I think we gotta let this one go let, okay. let's, let's separate the art from the artist and just have someone else cover it i know but it's a, he's a freaking child molester man i mean come on this is like oh beyond trust the me i yeah. i totally get why we don't want to glorify <laughs> him in any way that's why we're stealing it from him oh, there we go uh, since, since the uh since the uh, the rights holders already did. Oh man, oh, I don't know. <laughs> oh boy. 
I'm, Zach, I'm, Zach, you're you're doing your arm wave thing. <laughs> I'm doing I'm doing my arm wave thing. <laughs> yeah, he's doing his arm wave thing. He loves to wave his arms in excitement whenever it's time to talk about WGT. Go to dnvrgolf.com to download WGT and get in on the single best golf game in the entire world. It's so fun to play, and you can play it with all of your fellow DNVR family members when you go to dnvrgolf.com, download the WGT app, and then go into the Country Club section and join DNVR3. The the Country Club is called DNVR3. You get in on there and play all of the best courses, including Pebble Beach, Bethpage Black, St. Andrews, Bandon Dunes, Wolf Creek, and so many more, and you can compete head-to-head with DNVR family members or even DNVR personalities so check it out go to dnvrgolf.com and get in on this weekend's major the election open going down at congressional you like like that synergy there guys (laughs) that's beautiful (laughs) uh we're we're having a major this week and just for entering you're entered for a chance to win told you there's going to be a sick prize the most beautiful breck brew x Broncos jacket you've ever seen. It's got the old school logo on there. It looks like an old school starter jacket. It is pure art, and you want this jacket. So all you got to do is enter. You don't have to play well, and you have a chance to win the jacket. Those things are so freaking beautiful. You have to get in because it's also my favorite app. But guys, I was doing the arm wave thing because I was just, uh, I needed a cup of Strava Craft coffee, and I got one right here. I needed a sip of it. So I was doing my arm wave thing, and you guys need a cup of Strava Craft coffee as well. And if you want a cup of Strava Craft coffee, check them out at the DNVR bar where you can get a cup of Strava on cold brew there. And if you want a bag of Strava Craft coffee, use the magical code DNVR20 to get 20% off your online purchase. And if you want multiple purchases of Strava Craft coffee, make sure to subscribe to Strava Craft coffee and you'll save 20% every single time you order Strava Craft coffee and you can have it sent to you every two, three, four, six, or eight weeks. So that it's just delivered straight to your door. Strava Craft coffee is not only delicious coffee, but it's got that magical CBD infusement, which helps relieve aches, pains, headaches, migraines, aches, anything that's going on in your body. It helps, including the coffee jitters. It helps bring those uh, coffee jitters down. So it's a great two-in-one punch. We've got a great two-in-one punch for you. Use the code dnvr20 on your first order and then subscribe and get 20 percent off every other time of strava craft coffee i could use some strava craft coffee right now me too, for a lot of too. reasons i'm ready for my uh, second cup of strava craft coffee of the day uh yeah. then that the next one here is for you mace yeah count loculus says well we still have each other right love the count We'll always always have have each other. (laughs) (laughs) Even more beautiful. (laughs) SLC Bronco chimes in. I love that Jerry Judy got pissed and lit a fire under Drew Locke. That to me means he cares so much. But do you think it could be detrimental to our team or or other quarterback at some points? This is a false narrative out there. Um, Jerry Judy was not yelling at Drew Locke. He was yelling at the ref because he thought it was pass interference. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. Yep, and, and and even and even then, I mean, even if there there was a little frustration, and if he were yelling at Drew Luck, I mean, it's two young guys, and uh, it's 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 two it's two guys who are developing a really good relationship together, where they can say anything to each other. Uh, it's it's not con- it's not something that really con- would concern me in any way, even if it if it were that guys. I, I I like the intensity. I mean, they but the, both guys are uber competitive and both want the same things. Mace, were you talking about Jerry, Judy, and Drew Locke there, or were you talking about Ryan and I? Uh, <laughs> I could be talking about a lot of a, a lot of uh, young guys, non-sibling <laughs> relationships and friendships, and and working relationships between between guys, girls, guys and girls, all that. <laughs> yeah uh uh but i will say the the all 22 confirms it like very yeah. clearly that jerry's yelling at the referee yeah yeah from casper fellas the season the team has decided to put the old logo in the end zone is this a hint when the ownership situation gets settled that we will see this become the primary logo once again also there are there any new uh developments with the ownership being resolved uh no and no i will say yeah, I really wish it was, but the new owner is going to be the one to decide that. And so the 
future owner isn't making these decisions while not owning the team right now. So unfortunately right. not. I mean, really the, the thing about it is, is seeing that logo kind of, it's leaning into it as really kind of really an alternate logo or a secondary logo at this point. And certainly the Broncos have a lot of success still marketing that old D logo, but uh, it doesn't logo. mean it, what it, it is now. I mean, I, if they did go with the D horse going forward, I'd like to see it kind of tweaked and updated yeah, yeah, yeah. and modernized a little bit. But the the concept of it, I think, is is terrific. I love seeing it back out there. But it, this doesn't mean anything for long term. Right now, you're still in that holding pattern. Don't expect any changes, any significant changes to the Broncos' base look until the ownership situation is settled. This is something that I know Joe Ellis feels pretty strongly that it's a decision that should belong to an actual owner or a managing partner rather than a trust. Yep. Yeah, I think that makes perfect sense. Next one coming in from Broncos Squared. Good day, gentlemen. So far, the U.S. hasn't combusted, and I hope all is well in your neck of the woods. I saw the clip with Colin Coward, and boy, am I conflicted. I will admit that I wasn't a huge fan of seeing Drew dancing by himself after the game winner. Drew hasn't been phenomenal this year, so I don't like him seeing him doing that, at least for now. It actually made me think of the bad luck Rodgers had when he did the pelvic thrust against Tampa. I vehemently disagree with Coward and him. Doing that does not make Drew a D-bag or a hopeless quarterback. The worst part was hearing how godly Coward sounded in saying he is always right and everyone is wrong. I love Drew's swagger, but I don't want him painting targets on himself when he does stuff like that. It's a weird spot to be in since I'm kind of 50-50 on the Coward take, but my goodness, he sounded ridiculous. Hope this makes some sense. Thanks, gang. Okay, I'm actually... When I went to sleep last night, I thought this was going to be our opening topic um, because it's it's juicy, in my opinion. Now, I think it should be noted that this is just a bit that Cowherd loves to go back to over and over again, and it drives a lot of interaction, and uh, it works for him. So congrats to him on coming up with this very silly yet somehow genius bit. Um, with that in mind, it is one of the most idiotic things I've heard in a while. Um, at least when it comes to sports. Uh, first of all, I think it needs to be noted that Drew Locke is not trying to be cool. He just is cool. There's a huge difference there. So one of the first things I ever noticed about Drew Locke when I met him is like, oh, okay, he's, he's one of those guys who's just really good at everything and naturally cool. You know, he's a guy who was really good at basketball. He's really good at football. He's a natural leader. He's, that, he's just the type of person who when he's in a room, people are – for some reason, trying to make him laugh. Like, when they make a joke, they instantly look at him to see how he reacts. He's just that type of person. He's very magnetic in the way that he is. So he's not trying to be cool uh, at all. That's just He's just being himself, and I think he has a really infectious personality uh, that, that people really like. And if you just listen to his teammates talk, you would know this if you're Colin Cowherd. Um, but, of course, he doesn't care about that because he's just playing the hits that happened to just work every time that he plays them. So congratulations, Colin. You got us to talk about you, uh, but you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was so much that was wrong with what Colin Cowherd said. I mean, the whole, like his whole thing about quarterbacks wearing their hats backwards. That is, I'm sorry. Uh, this, that is the most middle-aged out of touch, old white guy, piece of crap argument I've ever heard. I'm, I just, it, uh, it, why dreadful. is dreadful. he is so removed from knowing what cool is that's what makes me the most mad about this like how are you the one telling us who's cool and who's just trying to be cool when you're like you said mesa old middle you know an old white guy yeah also aaron the one quarterback he said was cool is definitely not cool aaron (laughs) Rodgers is not cool I mean, literally, the only thing that Drew has done celebration-wise that I objected to, honestly, was celebrating after the touchdown run early in the Chiefs game. I'm like, that. Mm. okay, I thought, uh, too early. Let's, uh, let's rein that in a little bit. But uh, dancing after the, char- after the touchdown to, to tie the game and beat the Chargers on the PAT, do it, man. I, oh, go nuts. Just how- be, you, be you. Yeah. That's just how he rolls. Yeah. Um, sometimes he's going to probably celebrate when he shouldn't. And sometimes he's going to just do things that are a little, uh, I don't know, weird.
weird to some people, but that's just who he is. And he's certainly not trying to be anything that he's not. He's just that's that's Drew being Drew. Also, he he's a winner, Colin. Uh, so until Drew has a losing record, it's really hard to uh, you know say that he's not a winner and he call him win a, more games. Yeah, and call him a Cub Scout. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's again, he's just, he knows this one works. So anytime he has a chance to use it, he's going to use it. Um, And he's also trying to get himself out from under his own take in which he said Drew Locke might win the MVP and the Broncos might win the AFC West. Like he's not, (laughs) he's not disputing someone else's take. That's his own take. He's trying to find an out because it looks pretty dumb right now, to be fair. And he's using this as his out from that. Oh, well, I didn't know he was one of these try hard to be cool guys. You know, that's why I was wrong. <laughs> so pathetic, Colin, but congratulations. You got us to talk about you. Yep, it worked. It worked. Drew Lockett uh, bro- in says, Hey gentlemen, should we take a flyer on Vic Beasley? I know he was one of the many pass rushes that attended Vaughn's pass rush summit. So I'm pretty sure the two of them have a good relationship. I know we need more help on the defensive line. Uh, or on the defensive line than edge rusher, but maybe he, if he is not too expensive, it might be a good attempt at some depth. Thanks for everything you do. Stay happy and healthy. Meh. That's how I feel. The Broncos already have decent depth at the position. Vic Beasley is, you know, uh, a journeyman at this point who was a a first round bust. I, I just say meh. With how it worked in Tennessee for the, for him, and it did not work in Tennessee for him, that really scares me, so I don't want to do it for that. Also, Malik Reed is balling. I don't want to keep him off the field, and obviously you're not taking Bradley Chubb off the field. And you already have Jeremiah Tachu ro- rotating in for Malik Reed, so I, I'm, I'm very much against this. Yeah, it, it seems superfluous at this point. And, I mean, Vic Beasley, he had one great season, a, 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 a few other seasons that were just okay. Not a bust, I would say, but at this point, really wasn't effective for the Titans when he got in this year. Uh, Not somebody that really, really helps the way you need to. And unfortunately, you have to think uh, in terms of the future. Every dollar that you save now is a dollar that uh, you can put toward the cap in your cash in 2021. Is Malik Reed going to have more sacks this year than Von Miller had last year? Oh, Vaughn uh, had eight yeah. last year. Yeah, Malik's yeah. at five right now. Yeah. <laughs> I'd be shocked if he doesn't, uh, barring injury. I mean, the, the, the way he's trending, the way he and, and Chubb are working together, and I, I don't think it's a coincidence that uh, Malik Reed's explosion has come with Bradley Chubb really getting his legs back under him and, and being back to full health. So, yeah. That, uh, I, think, I think they both that have double something. digits. I think they both have double digits when, when the season is done. Pretty, pretty crazy. Pretty yeah. crazy. Uh, the last one here from World of Suck. Revisiting the Melvin Gordon signing, there's a thought I had a couple times that I'd like to hear your thoughts on. Clearly, we've seen that the Broncos have concerns about overusing Phil due to his size and stature. Do you think that was part of the calculus in determining to sign Melvin Gordon was to keep Phil's carries down and extend the longevity of his career? I might be overthinking things here, but in a way – Melvin's presence in Denver could really help Phil extend his career length. I guess we talked about this a lot in the first segment. I don't know if it's necessarily about the career length than it is just about keeping Phil healthy over the course of the season. Yep, I completely agree with that. That That's exactly where I am. I don't think they're looking that far down the road, and, and they're not doing it for Phil's sake. It's to make sure that they have Phil late in the season. It's a conversation that we have every year. Remember his rookie year, guys? We're saying, what are they doing? You know, in week seven, only giving him 10 carries. And we what we fell back on was, okay, maybe it's just so that he can be getting 15 carries in week 17 instead of getting zero because he's hurt. And we're just falling back on that again now. Uh, and you know, hopefully the Broncos are in it and hopefully it's a good decision. This is a hard thing for us to admit, but Philip Lindsay being able to give them seven touches for 90 yards every week is a lot better than Philip Lindsay being able to give them 15 touches for 200 yards for the next four weeks and then not for the rest of the season. Yeah. I don't, I don't Mm -hmm. like that, that narrative because I want Phil to touch the ball more, but it might be the way that they're thinking. Yeah, exactly. I think that is so, the way they're thinking. I think it is too. Uh, I don't know if it's right, but I understand at least the process behind it. 
before we get out of here, a shout out to Green Mountain Dental Group. Head on over, schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam, and you will get a free Sonicare toothbrush. Tag us, tag them when you get there. Get in on all of their great customer service. It's the best in the business. They really treat everyone who comes in there like family. And if you're part of the DNVR family already, they're part of the DNVR family. You're already family before you even walk in. So uh, go see your family down at Green Mountain Dental Group whenever you need any work done and get that free cleaning x-ray and exam or get that free Sonicare toothbrush when you schedule a free, when you schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam, geez, I'm losing it. It's time for me to, uh, to get some coffee and, uh, and settle it. But anyways, I appreciate you guys for tuning in, uh, with us today on a eventful day, I would say in the United States of America. So, uh, everyone, uh, stay safe out there and we will talk to you tomorrow.